Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Dan Catchpole, reporter with News Data's Clearing Up, joined by my co-host and editor of News Data's California Energy Markets, Jason Fordney. News Data covers the energy sector in California, the Northwest, and beyond like no one else. Here are some of the top stories we're work- we've worked on. First, Jason, how are you doing? Great, Dan. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, I'm sure you guys already getting off to, well, I don't know, is it an early start? You guys have already had a wildfire, significant wildfire down there in California? Yeah, starting to see it creep in a little bit. Uh, We're under red flag warning for some of the Sierra foothills and uh, Central Valley right now, hot, dry, Um, does feel a little bit early. And then we had a couple fires over the weekend, so starting to see the first signs of wildfire season. But um, so far, you know, nothing extensive so far. I haven't smelled any smoke or anything, but to um, keep a close eye on it, UbaNet Fire News on Twitter is a great resource for that. But other than that, it's a great weekend. More river time, and that's that's always good. Yeah, that is good. Were you, were you out kayaking, just playing in the river yourself? or just uh, Yeah, I just took my daughter. She's almost eight, and she splashes around and... Yeah, it's really gorgeous right now. So enjoying that. So, um, yeah, I'll get into our news items here. Yeah, let's kick us off here. All right. Well, uh, last week, a new report from the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, or NERC, got a great deal of attention. It's the 2022 Summer Reliability Assessment from NERC. What it said was drought, supply chain holdups, fuel shortages, Cybersecurity, wildfires, and extreme weather are challenges facing the U.S. electricity grid this summer. In the West, it's drought and energy scarcity during heat wave events that are the biggest reliability concern. Uh, there's an elevated risk of energy emergencies across the U.S. winter Western interconnection this summer uh, with dry hydrological conditions, which will threaten the availability of hydro for transfer. Periods of high demand over a wide area will result in reduced supplies of energy for transfer, causing operators to rely primarily on alternative resources for system balancing, including natural gas, fire generators, and battery. Interesting to hear NERC refer to natural gas as alternative. Um, So, yeah, uh, there's more. There's a WEC reliability workshop this week. So... uh, it's becoming apparent that summer is looking pretty tricky here in California and across the West. Mm. Yep. So that's uh, news from NERC on that. And I will note there was a webinar where uh, the NERC CEO, John Mora, said, quote, the nation's grid reliability is deteriorating because utilities are switching too rapidly from baseload power plants to intermittent renewables, unquote. So... Mr. Mora here is able to say what a lot of people in the energy industry are not. This is, as we know, a touchy issue whenever you get into uh, blaming renewables. Um, but here's a reliability official, not not anti-renewables, just saying the transition's happening a little bit quickly. Yeah, it's interesting that um, your take on that comment, because that's one that you hear more around the Northwest. I say mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's less 
controversial up here, depending on where you are, for somebody to make that statement that oh, we're moving too fast. Um, yeah, but it was interesting before the before we hit record. You're saying, oh, I, I might get you strung up in some some towns, <laughs> um, and there certainly are people who would not like to hear that up here. But uh, sometimes I feel like uh, it can also be kind of yeah. Uh, people run to it for cover to justify other other things and to say, well, we need to spend on this because of renewables, you know, they're in intermittent. So we need to do X. Mm -hmm. um, There's interesting, different cultural kind of context for these industrial culture, industry culture context for these conversations yeah. between California and the Northwest. It's something I've noticed for a few years now, you know, I am active on Twitter and you get into this topic, you know, you, there's a lot of defensiveness about this issue, um, but you know it's 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 pretty clear that um, you know. Also, you have the CPUC Public Utilities Commission. We've had some back and forth back and forth with them, and they're blaming all these blackout or the 2020 blackouts on climate change and all this risk on climate change, where it's one factor. But uh, you'll never hear the CPUC. Or any politician in California saying we're moving too quickly towards renewables. Mm. Um, you know, it's our job to take a little bit more sober assessment, and I, uh, you know, just want to be balanced on on that coverage. Yeah. No. I mean, what do you do when the wind's not blowing? Is a very serious question. Yeah. <clears throat> so what's well, going on in the Northwest? Well, uh, after the last formal Columbia River Treaty negotiations ended in January, U.S. and Canadian officials have been holding small group sessions uh, starting in late March and continuing at least through the end of May, uh, reports my colleague Casey Mahaffey. And they're having these conversations in an effort to make some progress on some of the more contentious issues of the Columbia River Treaty, which that needs to be renewed before September 2024 when uh, flood control provisions in the current treaty expire. And they've, despite uh, you know, some folks have been expressed frustration about the apparent lack of progress, but uh, officials from uh, speaking Canadian officials assured uh, reporters at a recent press conference that they, despite the look that it might be slow, progress is being made. And CRT, uh, the Columbia River Treaty affects hydro, uh, hydroelectric generation, irrigation, flood control, environmental controls, and many other issues. And is a, um, it's a major, major issue for the Northwest power sector. So that's our top story for the week. Uh, Jason, you've got something going on with CPUC uh, down there. Actually, yeah. I should ask, is it CPUC or CPUC? Which one do you guys, what do you we call always, it down there? We always say CPUC. Yeah, but uh, no, I know. Different, yeah. <laughs> whatever you know, whatever works for you. Um, but yeah, the CBC approved more utility energy storage contracts. It's about 498 megawatts of capacity for uh, Southern California Edison to fulfill its midterm reliability procurement obligations. These are five fast track contracts approved by the CPC at its May 19th meeting. Uh, these address the 2023 and 2024 midterm reliability needs. They're expected to be online by either August 1st, 2023 or June 1st, 2024. Uh, these are for resource adequacy only contracts and another contract 
that also provides the seller with the option to put the dispatch rights to SCE. This is covered by Linda Daly Paulson. Uh, just a little bit of comment. This is uh, a massive amount of procurement that CPC has embarked on in the past year or two, and uh, it's just just more of that. But uh, we are seeing quite a bit of supply chain issues affecting new projects coming online. Hopefully, not in this case. But yeah, that's from Linda Daly Paulson. Always look forward to Linda's reporting. Mm-hmm. Well, up in uh, Washington. A Canadian developer has proposed what would be the largest solar project in the state. Interjex Renewable Development USA wants to build a 470 megawatt solar voltaic project in Benton County, Washington, which is in uh, central Washington. It would also feature a four-hour battery storage system. This is almost 200 megawatts more than all of the existing installed solar generation at the end of 2021, according to the Solar Energy Industries Association, uh, which at that time it said uh, there's 297 megawatts of installed solar capacity in the state. So Energex is hoping to start construction in the second quarter of 2024 with commercial operations planned for the first quarter of 2026. The company tells us that it is actively engaged with potential off-takers for the project, but uh, has nothing they are willing to stay publicly yet. They filed an application with the Washington Energy Facility Site Evaluation Council, and you can read more about that uh, from my or by my. Uh, colleague Steve Ernst at newsdata.com. Wow, that's a that's a large project. Yeah, it is. It's so quite a starting, foot, footprint. We're starting to see some more expanding interest in solar uh, in in the Northwest. I mean, it'll never be what what the desert Southwest or California parts of California have, but mm-hmm. it's becoming more viable. Right. All right. Well, back to California, we have a rate case. Again, at the CPUC from San Diego Gas and Electric, um, they're requesting to recover more than $3 billion for investments that range from reducing methane leaks in its pipelines to implementing new smart meters. Uh, if approved, the retail rate hike would increase utility bills by 11% on average over current rates beginning in 2024. SDG&E in May 16th filings to the CPUC said it expects the commission to authorize its 2023 revenue requirement later this year. Uh, Rates will start increasing January 1st. Other uh, reasons for this increase is expanding electric vehicle charging infrastructure and adopting to load growth. This, you know, electricity rates in California becoming more and more of an issue. Uh, Big hikes from PG&E. And now proposed by SDG&E, uh, Mark Tony from Utility Reform Network said it's absolutely the wrong time for SDG&E to be asking for such a high rate increase. He has an issue with rate payer money going to EV chargers. Uh, those funds should instead come from the transportation sector or state and federal governments, he said. And he's also extremely concerned about the proposal for new smart meters. Uh, he says he'll be paying for them for 20 years. So good old-fashioned rate battle shipping up at the CPUC. I do love a good old-fashioned rate battle. <laughs> and that's from Abigail Sawyer. Excellent reporting from Abigail. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Abby, 
Abby's a star for sure. Yep. Uh, that's why in a crowded in a room, I don't like to stand next to her because okay. you know that she just you know makes everybody around her look. No, um, I actually <laughs> don't think I've. I don't think I've even we've ever met in person. We've no. for all the times, all the hours that you and I have spent talking. I don't think we have ever met in person. That's true. Hopefully, some point we will. Yeah, I've, I met Abigail a few times. Uh, she's not too far from me in San Francisco. What a weird world we live in. Yep. Well, we're all just in the matrix anyways, right? Okay. So moving right along, just going to blow past that one. Um, (laughs) uh, Electric cooperative uh, representatives from Montana are stepping up to the plate on the question of the fate of the Lower Snake River dams. They made a plea before the Northwest Power and Conservation Council uh, saying that they depend on these, the generation from these dams for cheap, reliable electricity, and they should not be torn down. Now, the fate of them obviously does not rest with the Northwest Power and Conservation Council at all, uh, but the council is considering doing a comprehensive long-term study of uh, what it would take to replace the generation assets and other uh, attributes of the Snake River dams if they were were, uh, removed from the power system. The representatives... Uh, implored the council that, uh, and whoever else was listening, it was really a message to the broader industry that um, you know their their members are financially struggling, and that they depend on a lot of their cooperative members are financially struggling, and they depend on the the dams for everything they provide from in terms of keeping power costs low to keeping lights lights on. And they also urged uh, the industry to focus more on new transmission rather than just tearing down dams. Uh, one of the council members, Jenny Burdick, noted uh, that many of these concerns raised have not gotten the attention they deserve. So it'll be interesting to see what the, the council still has not made up its mind as to whether or not they're going to undertake that study, which um, will certainly be con- controversial, whatever it comes out as saying, even though mm. the council is making it clear that whatever they decide, that we, they will be very neutral and it will be strictly a uh, quantitative study of what it will take to replace the generation assets um, of the Lower Snake River Dam, which also, I should add, provide other values such as irrigation, uh, recreation, et cetera, transportation. Uh, so there's it's a multifaceted issue. Yeah, and a long-running debate that I'm sure will continue for some time. Years to come. Yeah. Well, interesting stuff. Um, I do want to mention my column, Bottom Lines, in uh, Friday's issue. I took note of CEM's 33rd anniversary. First issue of CEM came out May 5th, 1989. And I was able to interview the founder and first editor of CEM, Arthur O'Donnell, which is always interesting. Uh, we had a good time sort of comparing the way things used to be done. Uh, CEM just began making a digital PDF available in 2000. Uh, so yeah, it's I, <clears throat> our office in San Francisco, when we closed it up, I got a binder of old issues and I was looking through some of the old headlines. Um, Cal ISO plans for possible summer disruptions in San Francisco. That's April 21st, 2000. 
That's a story about Kaiso approving small-scale peakers to be in place by July 1st. Of course, Kaiso did the same thing last year. Uh, so nothing new under the sun there. Another interesting headline, CEC, California Ener- Energy Commission staff would reject Metcalf Power Plant uh, preliminary CEC assessment that the plant should not be built in South San Jose's North Coyote Valley. Valley, Valley. Sorry about that. That is, of course, where the plant sits today. <laughs> and lastly, a ominous um, indication of the California energy crisis beginning to take shape. May 26, 2000 issue headline, California power exchange prices take to the skies. So yeah, we had a nice little retro look back. Always interesting to do these things. And, you know, uh, I look back through these issues. I, I feel real responsibility to keep this publication at the, the cutting edge of California energy news. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fast-moving job with a lot of spinning plates, but I do really enjoy it. So I encourage people to check out my column. It'll be posted on Twitter. Yeah, so, it, is, it is interesting uh, how how the roles of these, uh, how our roles have somewhat changed and haven't. Um, mm-hmm. Like with uh, clearing up started out of the whoops crisis debacle, yes. and really with a major focus on litigation. Uh, and, and now, I mean, just the pace of change, the scale of scope of change. I, I feel like I'm saying this all the time that things mm-hmm. are changing more and faster than we can even realize, um, like a yeah. broken record sometimes, but, uh, and we're just, uh, yeah, yeah. It's right. a big responsibility to, uh, keep every, keep our readers informed and, um, we're hope we're living up to it, which uh, speaking of that, I'm going to use this as a segue to plug our conference coming up June 23rd to 24th. If you want to be a little bit more informed about regional wholesale power markets in the Northwest, uh, go to newsdata.com backslash C O N F that's C O N F short for conference, uh, where you can find more information and register for the sixth annual Pacific Northwest Wholesale Power Markets Conference, uh, which will be put on, presented by Newsdata and CG, CJB Energy Economics. I've covered this, yep. uh, it's June 23rd, 24th virtual event. I've covered this conference several times in the past. I are The folks who organize this conference always have an amazing lineup of speakers, great conversation. I always as a reporter, really enjoy covering it. And I'm just happy to be a fly on the wall, on the virtual wall, listening to really smart, really informed people talk about where power markets are and where they're going. So uh, check it out. That's newsdata.com backslash C-O-N-F. Awesome. Yeah, I really enjoy our conferences. They're really high quality. I do work here, maybe a little biased, but I found them to be really good. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's about it for us from California. Yeah, you want to take us out? That's all for, for me. Uh, thanks for listening. As always, please rate and review this podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and let other people know about it. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at DCatchpole, and my co-host, Jason Fordney, is on Twitter at Fordney Energy. Yep, and then, of course, you can read more of our coverage 
at uh, newsdata.com. Nobody covers energy in the West like we do. On Twitter, CEM is at CEM News Data. That's the letters CEM News Data. Clearing up is at CU News Data. Again, that's the letters CU and News Data. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. You've been listening to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow. 